morning, everybody. It's so good to see everyone here. We want to welcome you all. If you're visiting or the regulars, we're so glad that you came here. Destiny Church, we're a family. We belong to the family of God. And so everyone, you're all welcome here. And if you're online today, we want to welcome you here today too. And we're here to worship God and to have a great time together. So I just wanted to read a scripture, you know, I love worship so much, and it's because we, we just welcome the presence of God here. And you know, God is so worthy of praise. I, I love to think about the creation and how God made the universe. And we're just a speck on the earth, and actually the earth is a, almost like a speck in the universe, and yet God comes here. He comes here to spend time with us, and it just amazes me and so I just wanted to say, you know, because of all that God has done for us, the scripture says, because of this, my praises rise to the king of all the universe who is indestructible, he's invisible, he's full of glory, the only God who is worthy of the highest honors throughout all of time and throughout the eternity of eternities, amen. So that's who we're worshiping today, the only true God, and he's coming here today to spend time with us. I mean, he's with you all the time. If, if you're born again and you've asked Jesus, he lives in you. But today, when we get together, something really happens. And you know, um, we all have struggles because we live in this world, but it's so good to come together and just encourage one another and find encouragement today, isn't it? So why don't you all stand with me, and I'm going to pray and just invite the presence of God to invade this place and to touch hearts and lives today. So, Lord, we just thank you for the privilege of gathering together your family on this earth. We're coming together to give you praise and give you honor, and thank you for all that you've done, and thank you that you hear our prayers and so we just lift you up today, and we're just going to lift praises today. Uh, we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's praise him. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Jesus, we just honor you today. We thank you. We continue to lift up that incense, that incense to you of praise and thanksgiving for all you've done, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for all you have done for us, Jesus. We bless your name today. Lift up your voices. That's what incense is, is a heart of thanksgiving. So let's just lift, lift up again. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we worship you, God. You're worthy of all. As the praises rise up, the glory comes down. As the praises rise up, the good things of God begin to come down. Lift up your voice, people. Lift up your voice. Lift up your gaze, people, for this is the day. This is the day of breakthrough. This is the day when you'll experience heaven on earth. These are the days of my glory. These are the days of my presence. Lift up your voice. Rejoice, all ye people, for this is the day and the hour of my visitation, saith God.
you, Jesus. Lord, we just thank you, Father. We thank you, God, that you're pouring out your presence on each one of these people and everyone online, God. We, everyone that's joined, God, we thank you, Father. As the incense goes up, God, we raise our hands and we receive all that you have for us, Lord. We just receive what you have for us today. If you have needs today, just reach up and see Jesus giving you because he has everything you need. We thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. And we thank you for your presence here today. God, we just speak a blessing over each one of these people. We thank you, God, that you're filling them. You're filling, you're healing them. You're delivering them in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, thank you, worship team. Thank you for leading us in worship. And it's so good to be here. It's so good to be here with the presence of God, isn't it? Praise God. Um, well, we're going to go on with the service. And so greet your neighbor. Tell them you're glad they're here. Well, God's good. Amen. Tell your neighbor God's good. It's great to have them here. We have a, um, <clears throat> we have a baby dedication. And so... Um, if Sean and Sadie would like to come up at this time and bring their, I believe his name is Ripley, if that's right, and whoever else you want to bring up with you, just come on up at this time. I'm going to ask my son Jeremy to come up and my wife. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. This is um, Sean and Sadie and, uh, Zitzman, which is a very well-known name. They got quite a reputation. A good one, though, I just have to tell you that. It's a good reputation. And this is a little guy, he looks like he's mad. His name is Ripley, Ripley Sean. And so we're glad to have him and presented him to the Lord for dedication. And what, <clears throat> I, I say this usually when we have a dedication that, you know, we um, believe in following Scripture. And we're not antagonistic to what other churches teach or what they believe, but we do feel like it's important for us to follow the scriptures. And, you know, the Bible says that when Jesus was here on the earth, that they would bring children to him. And it says that he would pick them up in his hands and he would bless them. And uh, he would speak a blessing over their lives. And, and I tell you, when you, words are so powerful and what you say over a child's life is so powerful because it's like those words follow that child, especially when they're spoken in faith and they create an environment for that child to grow up in. And, and so we want to, you know, sometimes people say, well, words don't matter that much. Listen, words matter a lot. You know, we, when I was a kid, it, they used to say sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt you. Words hurt you. And there's a spiritual element to words. And they create reality in people's lives. And so we want to speak, you know, that, that verse where it says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. The very next verse says, every tongue that rises against you, that basically words, is, is condemned. God says, I condemn it. And the, the weapon that he's talking about there is words, people's judgments against. And so when you can speak cursing or you can speak blessing, so what we do today is we speak blessing over Ripley, Sean, Zitzman, and believe that his life, that he will fulfill. Because we believe every child is here by God's design. They're not here by accident. You didn't just show up and God goes, what, where'd you come from? You know what I mean? God ordained that you would live at this time. That's why we're against abortion, because abortion doesn't just kill a child. It suffocates destiny. Because God puts things in children he puts callings, he puts gifts, he puts talents in children, and he sends them into the earth, and, and we are supposed to nurture them in, into their gifts and their callings. And that's our job. And so when we kill them, it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy because, you know, earth cries out oftentimes for, you know, certain things like the cure for certain diseases. And a lot of times God sends that answer in the form of a child. That's how Jesus came. Jesus didn't come as a full-grown person. He came as, a, as the answer to earth's cry for a Savior. He came as a baby. 
Thank God Mary didn't believe in abortion. And that's, that's true with Moses. It's true with a lot of the people and with everybody. They're very, every single person is very important to God. And so I always ask, with that in mind, that was longer than I should have, but um, with that in mind, I always ask the parents to commit, make a commitment to raise up this child before God and these witnesses, to raise up this child in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, to live, put an example before them of godly living and lead them to know Jesus at a young age. And will you commit to that? Do you have something you want to say here? Yeah. So I, I was asked to just participate, and so I just spent some time praying for Ripley and you guys. And the story that came back to me was Moses, which Pastor Steve mentioned. And what was so unique about Moses is that he was born in a time where there was, um, where, they, where the Pharaoh had said, okay, kill all the babies, two and under, the, the males, throw them in the river. We're going to try to slow this, the growth of the Jewish people down, the Israelites. What was so unique is, is his mother, his parents, put him in a little raft and into the river and to spare his life. And he was found by the Pharaoh's, I think, daughter and uh, was actually taking, taken into the Egyptian palace, into their culture, trained in their culture. But what was so unique is that he had the gift of a deliverer, that call of a deliverer on his life. So he was trained by the Egyptians, the ones that had the Israelites in bondage. And then, you know, he tried to do it in his own strength. But 80 years later, he came back and he fulfilled his call. So I just had this sense that Ripley that he would be trained, um, that he would be raised by godly parents, but he would be trained perhaps in the cult, like just in whatever, like maybe in the, just in the, in like a, just in a, in a, in a trade or something, but he would be aware of the culture that he grows up in, but the gift of a deliverer, the call of a deliverer is in him. Amen. And that he would be sent back to his culture to be a deliverer to his, his generation. So we declare that over Ripley. Amen. So let's all stand together and let's stretch our hands out toward Ripley. He looks like he's going to stay with you today, right? <laughs> okay, well, let's just we'll lay hands on him. Lord, we just thank you for Ripley right now. Ripley, Sean Zitzman, we dedicate him. We present him to you, Lord, in dedication. We declare your purposes over his life, that he is a gift from you. He's a gift from heaven to this family. And, Lord, we declare that he will rise up and he will be a giant in the earth. He will be a giant spiritually. He will be alert mentally. He will be well physically. And he will be stalwart spiritually. Lord, every gift that you put inside of him, we just declare it, it shall come unwrapped and it shall be exposed to the world. We declare, Lord, that you will order his steps aright. We declare, Lord, that you will cause him to walk in your paths and do your will in the earth. We declare, Lord, that he will run his race and he will finish his race. He will be strong all the days of his life. We declare that he will be a part of the generation of the righteous that you are raising up in these last days. And we speak a blessing over him right now, Lord, that he will be full of the Holy Ghost at a very early age and that he will know the things of God. We thank you for that now. We just thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. We just speak a blessing over this family, Lord, that they have committed their lives to you, Lord. We just thank you for giving them wisdom that they can raise the child up in the way that he should go. We just speak a blessing over them now in the name of Jesus. Anybody that agrees with that, say amen. amen. God bless you guys. Well, praise God. Thank God for kids. Amen. So this Wednesday night, I just got a couple. Oh, first, let me take the offering. The ushers could please help me. Um, you give, there's different ways to give. There's a, some ways on the uh, TV screens there. If you're giving cash, you would like a receipt, just slip your hand up. One of these ushers would give you an offering envelope. If you're making out a check, you can make it out to Destiny Church. Thank you for your faithfulness in giving. And uh, we just believe every need is met. Thank God for that. So any other announcement? Any other anybody uh, else needs an offering envelope? Okay, let's pray over our offering. Did you need one? No? Okay. Don't ever even raise your hand halfway. There, we got one here. Let's, let's uh, pray over our offering. Lord, thank you that we can give. You've blessed us 
so much in this nation, Lord. We just thank you that every need in our lives are met, and we have an abundance to give to every good work. Thank you for every person that is giving today, sowing seeds into your work, your kingdom. We just pray, Lord, that it would come back to them, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Thank you for the running over, Lord. We just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead, man. You can pass the buckets. So this, this Wednesday, uh, that's the 25th of May, we have a family service here at 630. We have something for the whole family, kids and everybody. So uh, at, six, at 630 this Wednesday, we also have youth camp coming up June 5th through the 8th, right? It'll take place here at the church. Uh, they camp out. They have a great time. That's June 5th through the 8th. And we have Brandon Rice. Um, he was uh, with, Redi uh, with the church in Reading, uh, Bethel Church. Uh, he pastors Weaverville now. And so he'll be our speaker. And then also Kids Camp is the 27th through the 29th. June 27th through the 29th. And then also, Dave, why don't you raise your hand, Dave? So if you have any questions, Dave is in the back over there. And he's more than willing. He knows more than I do about the church. And if you have any questions or need to know anything at all, um, he's your man. Just go ahead and ask him. If you want to update your information, he's the guy to ask. So he'll be in the back table there. Are you ready for the word? Let's, um, let's bow our heads and ask God's blessing on this, off, on this um, word this morning. Lord, we just thank you for your word today. Thank you, God, that you'll quicken uh, the words that you want spoken to the people today. Thank you, God, that you'll live big in me, you'll think through my mind, speak through my lips. You'll unveil the Word of God to the people today. We thank you, Lord, that every heart is open and receptive to hear your Word. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we've been talking about um, these three words, hope, faith, and love. You know, Paul said that in 1 Corinthians 13. He said, now abideth faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. And so we've been talking about, it's been quite a few weeks talking about hope and how powerful hope is to our lives. And, um, and then the last couple weeks, we started talking about faith. And there's been a lot said about faith. And so I always try to pre approach it in a little different way. Because, you know, if you're not accustomed to going to church or, or uh, around these uh, terms a lot, when we think about faith, a lot of times what we think about is we think about a particular religious denomination like uh, Lutheran faith or Baptist faith or uh, full gospel, assembly of God faith. Or we, we, we think about it as a set of beliefs that typify one church uh, different than another church. But actually, the Bible says there's only one faith. In Ephesians chapter 4, there's only one spirit, there's only one faith. Hebrews chapter 12, Jesus was, is called the author and finisher of faith. In other words, he's the one that authored the faith that we're talking about here. There's just one faith. And faith is a conviction that people have in their heart, an assurance, a confidence that people have in their heart that what God's word has said is going to come to pass in their lives. And so... Um, you know, we don't hope that we're saved. We don't go, well, I sure hope I get to heaven. I sure hope I'm okay with God. We know. And, and that's what the Bible says, that we can have that assurance that, we're, that our sins are forgiven, that we're new creatures in Christ. We're on our way to heaven. We can have that as an assurance that I know that I know. F.B. Myers, he was a Baptist pastor. And he said, if the whole world stood on one side and said, you're not a Christian, he said, I'd stand on the other side and say, I am. And there's a boldness, and, and Paul talked about that, a confidence that causes us to, to actually rejoice or to boast, is how the King James says it, because we have such assurance that we actually go around. We're not boasting in ourselves, because in ourselves we can do nothing, but we're boasting in God. We're saying God has said some things, God has done some things, God has revealed some things, and because of that, I've accepted that. I have that confidence, I have that assurance and that is called faith. And um, hope is a mental thing. Faith is a thing of the heart or a thing of the spirit. It's, a, it's, a, it's an inward thing. 
It comes from the hidden man of the heart. But, and it, the Bible tells us that faith is so important to our lives. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, li- listen to this verse. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please, please him. Talking about God. It's impossible. It's impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible. And uh, if you're a Christian, you want to please God. It's impossible to please God without faith. Then it goes on to say, For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You must believe that he is. Someone goes, well, if God would show himself to me and and appear here in some physical form or, or way, then I would believe that he is. You know what? God already did that in the person of Jesus Christ. And he died on a cross for your sins and arose again from the dead. And so, but, but the Bible tells us, Paul said in Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, it says that all of creation declares the invisible things from, of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Then he goes on to say, they're without excuse. People are without excuse because our, crea- our creation, the creation has a design to it. And everybody knows that if, you, if there's a design, there's a designer. You know, I have this funny story that I tell. Years ago, I was up, I call it the moose hunt from hell. I went up to uh, Canada, this is years ago, to do a moose hunt. And I, I, it would take me too long to describe how far we went into the Canadian wilderness. But it, it just take it from, from me, we went a long ways into the Canadian wilderness. And, um, and then I got in a canoe and I paddled up this river and then I got out of the canoe and I walked for miles through the tundra trying to find the spot if you understand what I'm saying and so I finally got to a place and we didn't see anybody for two weeks and that's where we were I mean and I got finally got to this place and I thought to myself I kind of peered out on I think it was a lake or something and I thought to myself I am standing this is what I thought to myself I am standing where no one on earth has ever stood Now, you might think that's crazy to say that, but if you knew how I got there, you would agree with me. (laughs) I'm standing here where no one has ever stood. That's what I'm thinking. This is virgin soil. And I was walking around, and I walked down a little ways, and all of a sudden I looked up in a tree, and there was a deer stand, or I guess it was a moose stand. It wasn't a deer stand. It was a moose stand where somebody had cut some trees up and put them in the arch of a tree, and they had tied rope around it and made a little stand there. And all of a sudden, I knew someone had been here before. Because I knew that it wasn't a wind that cut these trees up. And then another wind blew the other way and lifted the trees up and threw them in the arch of the tree. And then a rope came from who knows where, from the from the bulrushes, a rope was made out of the bulrushes, and that wrapped around all the trees, and all of a sudden, it was a whammo. No, I, I looked at that, I said, that's, a, that's design. Somebody purposely did that. Somebody has been here before. And that's what Paul was saying. He goes, there is a design to all of creation, and because there's a design, there has to be a designer. And so he says, they are without excuse. People say, I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God. You're without excuse, buddy. You're without excuse. Not only is, does the creation declare the glory of God or the existence of God, but inside of you, there's a conscience inside of you that tells you there is a God. And that conscience causes you to want to do the right thing because there is a God. And so the Bible says that we must believe that he is And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. Here's another verse. In Romans chapter 1, it says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it, the gospel, is the power of God to salvation. To everyone who what? Believes. The, The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And what activates that power is to everyone who believes. Believing activates the power of God. Believing activates the power of God. You know, I mentioned this story last week about the woman with the issue of blood and how she came up in the press behind Jesus and she touched her, his garments. 
and she had an issue of blood. She was bleeding for 12 years, and she touched his garment, and immediately she was healed. And when, she, when Jesus stopped and said, who touched me? The disciples said, everybody's touching you. But that's the point. Everybody was touching him. People were touching him out of curiosity. People were touching him because he was famous. People were touching him out of, out of speculation. People were touching him. But this woman touched him in faith. And when she touched him in faith, that faith activated the power of God. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying that the, the gospel is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes Believing or faith activates the power of God. It puts that power in act, action, gives action to that power. Faith does. That's why faith is so important. But, but keep reading here. He says, salvation for everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's the Gentile. That's the Norwegians right there. They're, you wonder if you were in the Bible. There you are right there if you're Norwegian. That's you right there. Greek. Greek or Gentiles means all nations that are not Jewish. So that, that includes, yes, it does include the Germans. Well, and maybe the Swedes, but we're not really sure about that. I don't want to get a race war going on here. But, but, but it doesn't matter. Whoever believes, no matter what, what nation you're from, what ethnicity you're from. Whoever believes, faith activates God's power in your life to bring salvation. Then he goes on to say this, For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The just is, you could say it like this, the Christian shall live by faith. The Christian shall live by faith. Notice that he says we go from faith to faith. In other words, we start out, I mean, you didn't, the only way you started out the Christian life is by faith. That's how you started. That's how you started. When you draw your last breath, draw your last breath in faith. Amen. It goes from faith to faith. That means that every situation that we face, we have trouble with our kids, we have trouble with our bodies, we have trouble with our finance, we have trouble in our world, we have trouble with our job. Every situation you Face, approach it in faith. Approach it in faith. Approach it in faith. Amen. And so God is very clear. Now, so, so that's, that's pretty general. It's a pretty general statement about faith. But let me just go through here and talk about one principle of faith that people don't totally understand. And, uh, and that is how God... There are things that are true with God that aren't true with us, but he wants them to be true with us. Like we, we were singing this wonderful song, um, I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. That's actually a Bible verse. David said that. But David said, I believed in order to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I believed. In other words, promises are made for you to believe the promise. Promises are given not so that God just wants to get you kind of encouraged for a few minutes when you go to church and then walk out and I was just kidding, you know. I mean, God doesn't tease. When God makes a promise, that promise, he only has one reason for that promise. He wants it to come to pass in your life. He wants you to experience the goodness of God in the land of the living. He wants you to have success in this life. He wants you to have his best in this life. He wants you to have days of heaven on the earth. He wants that for you, but he, it doesn't happen apart from faith. In other words, he's got to get you on, pay, on the same page as he's on. You could be on one page, you go, well, God, when I see it, I'll believe it. Well, you don't really need to believe it then, do you? If you see it, then you know it. If I'm praying for $100 and somebody walks up and gives me $100, I don't need to believe it anymore. I see it now. Believing is only necessary when you don't see it. So if I don't see God's goodness in my life right now, if I don't see God's goodness in my family, if I don't see God's goodness in my community right now, then I can start believing the promise. 
of God's word. I can receive God's promise and I can begin to stand on that promise to see that fulfillment of that promise in my life. But so there's things that are true with God that aren't necessarily true with us, but God wants them to be true with us. He doesn't make a promise just because he's talking. He makes a promise for them to be fulfilled in our lives. Now, I want you to look at a verse, another verse here. Look at Romans chapter 4. I like this verse for so many reasons because it is a principle of faith is that God... Well, let's read the verse. Romans 4, verse 17, it says, As it is written... So that's the first thing. You, you have to understand that faith is dependent upon as it is written. Because... The Bible says that faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes from scriptures. It comes from hearing God's word. That's how faith comes. When I was a, I grew up in the church and um, I, I heard people talk about faith because it's a wonderful thing. But they'd always say, you got to have faith. And if you did have faith, you, you could see this, you could see that. And if you, mountains will move and all this stuff, if you did have faith. But I never remember one time, and they may have said it, but I, didn't get it. I never remember one time hearing how faith comes. How, how does faith come? The, Bible, the faith that we're talking about, Bible faith, comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. It comes from hearing God's word. And so the first thing it says here, as it is written. So faith is dependent upon as it is written. You know, as it is written is really important. Because when Jesus was faced with Satan in the wilderness, of, in the temptation, the wilderness, he kept telling Satan, it is written. It is written. You know, if, if Jesus used it is written to overcome, we should. It is written. And, and so everything is based on it is written. And so here's what it's written. Here's what it said. I have made you, God is talking to Abraham. He goes, I have made you a father of many nations. Notice that there's a past tense to that. And there's an identity to that. There's a past tense to that, and there's an identity to that. So who are you, Abraham? Now, if you looked at Abraham's life at that point, what would you have seen? You would have seen a fatherless child, a fatherless husband, a fatherless man, a man who had no children. And God comes to him and says, not I'm going to make you. That, that would make sense. I'm going to make you. But he said, I have made you. Past tense, I have made you the father of many nations. Isn't that powerful? You know, one thing we were talking about children, but that's true of all of us. We don't, you don't know who you are, who you were made to be, until you get close to God. Because before you get close to God, you're like a seed that has no definition. But when you get close to God, what happens is, What's inside you, it starts to come out of you. That's why worship is so important. Getting in the presence of God, getting with other Christians. Because most people have not, do not have a good assessment of who they are and their value. You need to be around people that call greatness out of you. Amen. You know, it's interesting. And you see this, about, like, for, we see it with Abraham. If you, if you would have met Abraham, you'd say... And he goes, you know, I'd kind of like to have a kid. What would you say to him? Well, it hasn't happened yet. It's not going to happen. Wouldn't you have said that? I'm just telling you, your track record, what we got is proof here. It's not going to happen, Abraham. Give that up. And that's, he did give it up at one point. And him and his wife came up with Ishmael, which I wish they wouldn't have because they have all that problems over in the Middle East because of that scheme that they came up with. But God said... Death surrounded Abraham, but God said, here's who you really are. Here's who you really are. Who you really are is a father of many nations. That's who you really are. And like David, you know, if you, come, if you came to David, you say, who is David? Well, you're a shepherd guy, a little shepherd boy that is pretty good with a slingshot. But who was David really? He was a king. He was the king of Israel. Nobody saw that. In fact, when Samuel came to anoint one of Jesse's sons to be king, they didn't even call him. No one saw that in David. Nobody saw that in David. Right? Yeah. Finally, they, Samuel goes, well, 
we looked all the sons over, and God says, none of them are it. And it's one of your sons. Is there anybody else? And Jesse goes, well, there's one more, but I mean, he's taking care of the sheep. I mean, he's probably got sheep poop between his toes. He probably stinks. He's been out there for days. He probably stinks. And so he comes jogging in. Yeah, Dad, yeah. And Samuel goes, that's him. There's a king in him. There's a king on the inside of him. And he, nobody saw that or nobody knew that until he got into the presence of Samuel, got into the presence of God. Suddenly, there's the king inside that guy. And you can see it through so many of the Old Testament people. You talk about Elisha. He was the, the guy that took over for Elijah, Elisha. What was he doing? He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. Get that picture. You know, he's, he's out there. You know, he's got, I don't know, I've, I don't, I've never plowed with a yoke of oxen, but I've seen pictures. And he's out there plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. He's just like, da-da-da. If you go, what do you see? I see a farmer. Right? All of a sudden, Elijah goes, no, he's, he's a prophet. I don't see that. I see it. And so when he had an encounter, when Elisha had an encounter with Elijah, suddenly his true, and this is it, his true identity became, became realized. When he had that encounter with God, that's why it's so important for you, us to be in the presence of God. Because when we have an encounter of God, what happens is what's in us begins to manifest itself, begins to come forth. You can go down the line. I mean, take, take uh, the disciples of Jesus, or, or the, which were apostles. I mean, apostles. What was Matthew? He's ripping people off. He's a tax collector. If you go look at that tax collector, what do, you, do you think he'll be one of the apostles of the New Testament church? Heck no. <laughs> guy's a jerk. What about Peter? He's out there catching fish. He's a fisherman. No, he's an apostle. What about, what about Paul? Now, here's a big one. What about Paul? He's a Pharisee. He's persecuting the church. He's a horrible individual. He's killing, dragging people out of houses and committing them to, to, to prison and, and torturing them, trying to get them to renounce Christ. Oh, what do I see on that guy? I see a jerk. I see a criminal. But what was he? Apostle. And all he had to do is have a little encounter with God on the road to Damascus. And what was in him became evident. See, what is in you, your life is like a seed. And what is in you, we don't know what it is yet unless, you have the, unless you're in the right kind of environment. When you get in the right kind of environment, what happens is what in you, what's in you becomes evident. Amen. Preach, Steve. I believe I will. And so... A principle of faith is God calls things that be not as though they were. Now look, look at this verse. Thank you for putting that back up there. It says, in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. God calls those things. God gives life to the dead by calling things that be not as though they were. Things that do, which do not exist as though they did exist. So in other words, God said to Abraham, you're a father of many nations. Well, to, in his mind, that was dead. That was a dead issue. But God calls those things that be not as though they were. He gives life to the dead. And we see that in the life of all these. See, the, the thing about most people is that we get captured by big things. And, and by large things. And like... Oh, you know, oh, this is a big meeting or that, you know, we, uh, he's a big name or he, you know, big. You know, we get captured by big. But you know that little things are really important. Amen. You know, one, one day I was, people would ask me, how you doing, Steve? I'd say, well, I made it another day. How many of you ever heard me say that? I haven't said it for years, but, uh, or at least months. <laughs> My wife goes, you exaggerated. But I can't judge time in my brain anymore. So I think it's been years, but it might just be months. But it's been a long time, okay? But I used to say that. I used to say, how's it going, Steve? 
Well, I made it another day. And one day when I said that, God said, you're ungrateful. Because in that phrase, I made it another day, is a slight murmur. Life sucks. <laughs> right? Right? I made it another day. You know, <laughs> life sucks. You know, there was a little bit of murmur. And God said, you're ungrateful. And I don't like it. And I thought to myself, I am ungrateful. And so it was hard for me to get my grateful muscle going again. It was like, you know, if you, if you haven't used a muscle for a long time, you start using it. It's hard to get it going again. I had to get my grateful muscle going again. And I had to think of things that I was grateful for and think of things, I, people that I were grateful for and, and relationships that I was grateful for. And I had to start telling people, I'm grateful for you. I'm thankful for you. God bless you. I'm so grateful that God put you in my life. And it might be a little thing, but little things are big things. I mean... David killed Goliath with not a big thing. He killed Goliath with a little thing. Well, he actually cut his head off with a sword, but I mean, he, he knocked him down with a little thing, a little rock. He knocked him down with a little rock. You know, the miracle of the 5,000, the feeding of the 5,000. When, when, when the disciples came, we got 5,000 men here, plus women and children. They're all hungry. They've been out here for a long time. You got to send them away so they can buy food. He, Jesus goes, you give them food. We can't feed them. We got nothing but a little lunch. That's all we got. We got this little lunch. That's all we got. This little lunch. We got this little thing. Yeah, but if you put it in the hands of Jesus, he's going to give thanks for it. Thank you. He thanked God for what wasn't enough. It's not enough, Lord. It's not enough to feed everybody. Jesus said, thank you. We got something to work with here. It's not a lot, but we got something. Isn't that how, how you feel sometimes about your life? Lord, you don't got a lot to work with here, but whatever. I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. and let, I want you to speak over it. And, and, and sometimes it is that way. The problem is so great. There's 15,000 hungry people, and all we got is a little lunch. But if we, if we put that little lunch in the hands of Jesus. Something amazing is going to happen. And he gave thanks for it. Then he broke it and gave it to the disciples. And they fed everybody out of that little lunch. See, God can do amazing things just out of your little, thank you, Jesus. I thank you for this. You see, well, that's insignificant. No, it's great. It's, it's wonderful. It's awesome. It's a, it's a shift. Amen? And so, but God, God, a principle of faith is God calls things. A principle of faith is identity, what, who God made you to be. I'm going to jump ahead here a little bit. Well, let me read this one verse, a well-known verse, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Put that up there. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, because, you know, so who are you? Who are you? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. See, that's why I don't like when people say, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I mean, I understand what they mean, but, but you can't be two identities. You can't be a sinner and saved by grace. It's, you're either, you can't say, I'm a man. Well, they say it now, but you're not supposed to say it. You can't say, I'm a man and I'm a woman. You can't do that. You're either one or the other. Biologically, you are one or the other. There's only two sexes. Can I get an Amen. I just want to be around some normal, rational pe people. Can I just get an amen on that one point right there, please? There's just two. In the beginning, God made them. That's it. But you can't be a sinner and saved by grace also. Sinner is an identity. An identity. If you've been saved by grace, you're no longer a sinner, what you are, is a new creature. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a new creature. This is what God is saying about you. Look, look, at, another, look at another verse here. Look at another one. Turn over here to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. I like this verse. This is out of the Message Bible. It says, behold... Well, that's, that's a different translation. Let me read it out of the Message. What marvelous love the Father 
has extended to us. What marvelous love the Father has extended to you. Just look at it. Just look at this marvelous love the Father has extended to you. We're called children of God. We're called children of God. Look at the next one, next phrase. That's who we really are. See, my, the title of my message was, I didn't tell you what it was, who before do. Who you are before what you do. Who before do. So who are you? Children of God. Children of the Most High God. My daddy made that. You know, there's a verse in the Bible where, where it talks about Abba, Father. And someone always said that Abba means Daddy. And, you know, you hear that, you know, you, get, you read it on the Internet, and you go, okay, whatever, you know. Because how many know that everything on the Internet's true? <laughs> oh, it's not? But, so you hear that, and you wonder if that's really true or not, Abba meaning Daddy, because they say it's an affectionate, so the Spirit has been sent in our heart where we cry, Abba, Father, or Daddy, God, Daddy. And so I was in Israel, and we were on a, in an elevator, and, and an Orthodox Jew guy, because you can tell they, they dress a certain way, and they have, they have stuff, I don't, braids, yeah, braids. And so he came in, and he had his son. His little son was dressed just like him. It was kind of cool, cool, you know. And all of a sudden, and they speak Hebrew, or I think, and all of a sudden, the little boy goes, looks at his daddy and says, Abba. And I looked, and I said, did you just say Abba? You mean it's true? Abba means daddy? He's our daddy. Daddy God. My daddy made this. My daddy made this world. My daddy created all things. My daddy did it. My daddy sent his son to die for me. My daddy redeemed me by his blood. My daddy did it. My daddy will take me someday to heaven. My daddy. Daddy God. He says, behold, who, who are we? Children of God. That's who we are. But that's also why the world doesn't recognize us or take us seriously because it has no idea who he is or what he's up to. That's, this is the Message Bible. It says the world didn't recognize him, so it's not going to recognize you. You can't get your identity from the world. Amen? Amen. Just because some guy drives by you and go, loser. Don't get your identity from that guy. That guy's a pinhead. Just <laughs> pinhead. <laughs> right back at you, pinhead, you know. <laughs> I know you're not supposed to say that, but in church, especially in church, I'm breaking all the protocols. But you can't get your identity because they didn't know who Jesus was. They don't know who you are. Our identity comes from him. We're new creatures in Christ. We're, we're a new creation in Christ. He's our daddy. But friends, here, keep reading now. But friends, that's exactly who we are, children of God. And that's, we hear that a lot, but we ought to think about that for a little bit. That's, that's incredible. We're children of God, and that's only the beginning. Who knows how we'll end up? In other words, you see me now, just, I, I haven't arrived yet, but I've left. Right? But you just hang around in a year, it's going to be a lot better. Because every time I get a clear picture of who he is, I begin to re-identify who I am. Because my identity is not tied up in the world, my identity is tied up in Jesus. And when I see who he is, then I get a new picture of who I am. Let me give you one last verse here, and then we'll bring this to a close. Are you guys still with me? So what faith, a principle of faith is that God calls things that be not as though they were. You know, I, I just started reading, our, actually, my wife, she's been correcting every time I exaggerate. She goes, you exaggerated. So I said, I've been reading a book. She goes, you haven't been reading it. It was on Audible. How many know what Audible is? So Audible is, and so to me, 
working out on weights is a very unpleasant thing, but I do it four times a week. So I listen to a book when I do it. So I haven't been reading the book. I've been listening to it. And it's called Atomic Habits. How many of you ever heard that book? You should, you should listen to it or read it. But one of the things that he says in there, there's different ways that you change. But he says the most profound change, way to change is to have an identity change. When your identity changes, in other words, when you see your belief, because your identity is your beliefs about yourself. When your identity changes, and that's what God tries to do, God tries to get our identity to change so he can work with us. It's hard to work with somebody who's not on the same page as you, and God wants to get you on the same page as him. That's why he says over and over again, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God. You know, we want to just, oh, I'm just nobody, Lord. Okay, that's fine, but I can't work with nobody. i got to have somebody here to work with here. So accept my identity over your life. Accept my, what I say about you, accept it. It's like when God came to Abraham and said, you're the father of many nations. Abraham, accept this identity and we can work together. But if you say, oh, I, I, I can't, oh, I can't, I can't accept that. I can't accept that. That seems too impossible. Then it's hard for God to work with Abraham. How many follow what I'm saying? I mean, we see this with the children of Israel. When he got to the promised land, they never lost that slave mentality. And so what happened was when they got there, God goes, we're going we're gonna to go in, we're going to take this land, we're going to conquer, we're going to tear up stuff, we're going to blow up stuff, we're going to, it's going to be awesome. And they go, no, we grasshoppers. Well, I can't work with grasshoppers. How many see what I'm saying? As long as you're a grasshopper, we can't work together because God needs some champions. God needs some giants in the kingdom. God needs some people that are full of faith, full of hope, full of love to take over in this world. Forgive me for getting excited. <laughs> okay, don't then. How many see what I'm saying? He wants some people that accept his identity of our lives, over our lives. So the biggest changes come when, when, when our identity changes, when we see ourselves differently. That's when the, changes, the biggest changes occur. Amen. That's why we can't get our identity from how people relate to us, because people are crazy. Not you, but out there. We're all great here. We're wonderful here, but, you know, out there, you know. Crazy. Look at, look at another verse here. I don't know where I told you to go, but... Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. We'll try to close. You've been yelled at long enough. How'd it go? I yelled a lot. I don't know. No, you see, either mad or excited. I don't know which one it was, but... But look at what it says here. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, it says, For you were once dark. This is, a, this is the testimony of a Christian right here. You were once darkness. Notice he didn't say you were living in the darkness. He said you were darkness. That's your life in, in the past. You were once darkness. But notice he doesn't say, he doesn't skip over the next part and says, Now walk as children of the light. He didn't say that. He goes, You were once darkness. That's your identity. You were messed up, man. I hate to put it to you, but you were messed up. You're once darkness, but now, identity, but now you are light in the Lord. There's been a transformation that's taken place. Someone goes, oh, I don't know if I'm light in the Lord. No, you are light in the Lord. Don't be, don't be, be like Abraham. Abraham accepted the fact that he was who God said he was. You were light in the Lord. Turn to your neighbor and say, you were light in the Lord. And then he says, so he, he switches your identity from your once darkness. Now you are light in the Lord. No matter how you think or how you feel about yourself, he says you are light in the Lord. You're a light. When you come in, you light up the room, man. And, and you should. I mean, it, it talks about not hanging out with the unfruitful, not hanging out with people that are into the unfruitful works of darkness. 
It's like some people you have in your life, they come and it's like a dark cloud came in. Right? You are light in the Lord. Then he says, then the, he says walk as children of light. Walking, that is conduct. But notice that at first he establishes your identity. You are light in the Lord. And then he says, now walk. In other words, live out what God made you. You're light in the Lord. Now live it out. Amen. Because usually what happens is your behavior usually reflects your identity. You see yourself a certain way. And that's usually how you live out your life. What you do is primarily indication of the type of person you believe that you are. That's why God works so hard on your identity. You are light in the Lord. You are a new creature. You are children of God. I've sent my son, my spirit in your hearts crying, Abba, Father. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We are good. God is saying, we are good. Me and you are good. Now live like we're good. Live, live, do. Once you know who, then you can do. I'm a poet and didn't know it. Once you know who, then you can do. But when you try to do before you know who, you're a contradiction. So first of all, you got to know who. And then you got to do. And God works on the who part. Amen. Who you are. And so the scriptures give us, the scriptures give us the who part. Amen. So who are you? You know, it's interesting. It's interesting, you know. Uh, see, I was raised in the cities. And when I moved to the country, one thing I noticed, well, I noticed a couple things. One thing I noticed that, that people were wave, wave at you all the time. And my wife was raised in the country, and I used to go, why is that guy waving at me? That, that's what I'd think. Because they'd wave, and I'd go, who, who are you? <laughs> and you walk down the street, and people go, hi. I go, we don't say hi to people, you <laughs> know. Unless we know him, you know, that, that's how, because you don't want to get involved, you know, you don't know what, what's going on in that guy's life, you don't, that's kind of how you do in the cities, you know, so it's kind of an unfriendly environment, but it was so funny, as I, I lived here for a while, and I started waving at everybody, I wave at everybody now, I say hi to everybody, hi, and so I was back in the cities, and, uh, and, and so some, I, I, I waved at somebody, and, and they didn't wave back, and I said to my wife, boy, these people are unfriendly. The culture converted me. But, but what's funny was one time I was, I was at, at the airport in Elbow Lake and I, I was monking around in a hangar and, and some guy came up and he said, who are you then? And that just aggravated me. I said, none of your, I didn't say this, but <laughs> I wanted to say, none of your stinking business who I am. But what I said was, well, who are you? They told me, then I told them who I was. But I mean, it's just different. In, but who, who are you? Who are you then? I'm asking. Who are you then? Child of God. Who are you then? I'm a child of the King. Who are you then? I'm a new creature in Christ. Who are you then? I'm a child of the King. That's who I am. When that identity takes hold inside of you, I'm a, I'm a child of light. When that identity takes hold of you, what happens is then it's not that hard to do. But we try to do before we change who. You got to figure out who before you do. How many get it? So remember those two words. Remember who and do. Do, we need to, don't forget about do. We need to do, but we need to figure out who first. Amen. Let's all stand together. Let's have the worship team come. You're a lot more powerful than you realize. How many know that's true? So here's some things I wrote down. True and lasting change is an identity change. True and lasting change is an identity change. Willpower changes actions for a short time. But if you see yourself as somebody different than who you're trying to become, change isn't very, doesn't last. 
improvements are only temporary until they become a part of who you are. This is who I am. How many see that? Amen. Praise God. Let's sing this song. You guys got a song we can sing?
Just lift your hand toward heaven and say, Abba, I belong to you. Abba, I belong to you. You're my Abba. Abba, Father, Daddy, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. We just bow your heads for a moment and close your eyes. I want to ask you a question. If you're here this morning, you're not sure that if you died right now, if you drew your last breath, you're not sure that you'd go to heaven, but you'd like me to pray for you. I just need to know who I'm talking to, who I'm praying with. Could you just slip your hand up so I could see it? If you're not sure, just listen to that question. If you're not sure that if you died right now that you'd go to heaven, you're not sure, but you'd like to pray this morning to receive Christ into your life. Is there anybody here say that? I see your hand. We had four people yes, last Sunday raise their hands, receive Christ into their life. Anybody at all? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Well, we believe that everyone here knows Jesus then. Amen. If you died, you go to heaven. That's what we believe for you. Praise God. I'm going to give you the opportunity to be prayed for if you'd like. Um, the ushers or the prayer counselors could please come at this time and get in place. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. So we, we always want to give people an opportunity that they come to church and they have a need in their life. They need prayer for a need. Isn't God good? Isn't it great to be loved by God? Amen. Praise God. To be a new creature. Abba. I just pray this week that you'll experience God as an Abba. Abba Father. Because he cares about you. Cares about everything you're going through. But if you do need prayer for anything, a physical need, a spiritual need, a mental, emotional need, I just want to give you the opportunity just to come forward as soon as I dismiss the service. We have some refreshments in the back and coffee bar out there. We just encourage you to just hang around and, and call out greatness in somebody. Just say, man, I see greatness on you. Just tell them. Because if they're Christian, a child of God, something good is inside of them working. Amen. We just want to be encouragement to each other. We want to be the right environment for seeds to give forth fruit. Amen. So as soon as I dismiss, if you need prayer, please come forward. Lord, I just thank you for your people today. I thank you, God, that you are our Father. You are Abba, Father. We thank you, God, for all your goodness to us, Lord. And we, we find ourselves in you, Lord. We find our identity in you, Lord. And we just thank you for that, that identity, Lord, that we have in you. We pray a blessing upon your people. Lord, I just pray that every person here will experience you as Abba this week, Lord. Hallelujah. That there will come a closeness, a freshness to their lives. We just pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you, everybody. You're free to go. Join us for refreshments. If you need prayer, please come forward.